Let's pivot over to one of your favorite people, our, our very unique coordinator of basketball officials when you were there, Edgar Cartado, the late Edgar Cartado, who's an NEC Hall of Famer. Uh, he was a referee. And then from the, from the start of the NEC, he was our coordinator of, I think it was from the start. Yes. I don't, maybe not. But from the 80s, he was our coordinator of officials. Very, very uh, unique man, a, a favorite of mine. Uh, you, do you have any story or one story about Edgar that, that has resonated with you through the years? Well, I mean, Edgar was full of stories. I mean, he would tell you, uh, he would tell you how when he was a, a young man, he, he drove Lou Costello around. Uh, and I can't remember if it was in New Jersey or if it was in California, but, but he told that story. Um, you know, he told about, uh, um, you know, the, the, a game he worked at Georgetown with John Tom, the late John Thompson on the sideline. And, you know, the, the very first time Edgar blows the whistle, Thompson, you know, throws his hands up and gets excited, doesn't like it. And, and Edgar looks at him and says, relax, John, I'll get better as the game goes on. You know, he, he just, he, he had a million stories, but, you know, what I remember best about him is when I, I can't tell you how many, he did both the men's and the women's leagues for many, many years. And I can't tell you how many games I watched sitting next to him on, on press row. And I would always learn something about basketball uh, sitting next to him. He would see a play and anticipate what the call would be. And, and if the guy, the official made the call, he was happy. And if he didn't, he'd be upset for a while. Um, but Edgar would teach you uh, just in, in regular conversation during the game. I, I learned a lot about the intricacies of the game from him. He would get so nervous though when the game was close because you know the pressure was on his officials and he regarded that as a reflection on him. So invariably when the game got close, he'd, he'd excuse himself, go out in the hallway, smoke a cigarette uh, and then come back. And, and you know when, when smoking was no longer allowed in buildings, you know he'd go outside the building, smoke the cigarette and then come back. Uh, towards the end there, when, when I left, um, you know, I did worry because he was getting up in years and he was driving, you know, these long distances overnight. He wouldn't, he rarely stayed in a hotel when he would go see a game at Mount St. Mary's or even Robert Morris or St. Francis in Pennsylvania. And he, he'd drive all night back home. And I did that occasionally sometimes, but I was a lot younger than Edgar. Um, but, but he was completely devoted to the officials, I think watching a poorly refereed game offended him. As a former official, it just offended him. And uh, sometimes he didn't react well to it, but boy, he, he, loved, he loved his guys. You know, the guys that were at the top of his list, he just was a, uh, a total uh, promoter for. He was, he was a character and we still, we, some of his guys, Tom Lopes went on to be our coordinator and now Jack Sweeney right. is our coordinator. So, you know, his, his, his legacy is still lives here in the, in the conference, but yeah. uh, I always like talking about him. All right, let's wrap up some of your NEC uh, time at the NEC. What, when you look back at your time at the conference, the nine years or so you spent here, what made this conference so special to you? I, I think, you know, I think we touched a little bit on it, and that is the, the willingness of the group to, to work together to do what was right for, the, for the, the betterment of all, rather than just a narrow opinion of what's best for me. Um, 
you know, I, I know a couple of times we made decisions about uh, uh, tournaments, how many teams should should compete uh, that didn't please all the athletic directors. And, and, you know, but they went along with it because they knew, OK, this is I may not like it. It may not be best for my program, but it's best for the for the, the conference, uh, the, the television, realizing that not everybody was going to get the equal number of appearances and. Some of it was going to be due to merit, you know, whether you had a good team that year or not. And some of it was going to be, frankly, where you were located, because that's what the, the network wanted. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed my time there because um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a diverse group of schools, even though, uh, you know, on the surface, people may not think that. But it was a diverse group of schools, but they were willing to work together and you know, there are so many people that, that, that have stayed at the NEC for so long. And, uh, you know, people like Lynn Robinson and, and Irma Garcia um, and, and uh, you know, Marilyn McNeil for years before they left the conference. Uh, just so many people that, that have remained with the NEC. If you look through the directories, which I do every once in a while, um, now that I'm retired, I have more time to surf the net, so to speak. So. Um, a lot of a lot of people who were there when I was there are still there, and and I think that speaks volumes for the quality of of the league and what's been done with it, you know, uh, over the last two decades or so. What would you say is your proudest moment as commissioner of the conference? You know, I I, I had a lot of good moments. Um, we talked about how football kind of you know got its uh, we went through some growing pains with football, but kind of got it started. One of the games I remember best was the, and you were there, the uh, the ECAC Bowl in Pittsburgh when Sacred Heart was undefeated, I think ranked number one among mid-major uh, programs in AA at that time, and, and went in and, and beat Duquesne, which was favored and expected to win. Uh, that was a lot of fun, um, very memorable. The, the next year, we finally got to host one of those games. And it was at Albany, and I think you were there. Yeah. I, I remember Albany won the coin, uh, the coin toss and elected to take the wind because the wind was blowing about 30 or 40 miles an hour. And Albany wound up winning with a shutout. Uh, that, that was a good moment. Um, you know, I, I, was, I, was, I was proud of some of the championship games we had. We had a great championship one year between, I think it was Quinnipiac and Central. Connecticut yep. at Central uh, had people coming out to me in the parking lot afterwards as I was about to leave just saying hey commissioner great job with this championship thanks for bringing the game here uh, we had a great championship at Wagner one year uh, another one at, at Fairleigh Dickinson those those are the memories that that uh, you always hang on to because while one of the teams was unhappy losing the championship game uh, you know, it was it was fun to see. Uh, it's always fun to see a team win, realize they're going to the NCAAs, their name's going to be announced on Selection Sunday. That was that was always a thrill. Awesome. So you in 2006, you moved on to the Southern Conference as their commissioner. You spent the rest of your career there until retiring in 2019. Why was that position attractive to you at the time? Well, I, I, I had always heard about the Southern Conference from, from Vic Bubas, who played uh, for in the Southern Conference when he was at North Carolina State. They were a member back then. It was a league with great tradition, 
Um, it was a part of the country that my wife was from. Uh, she's from Greensboro, North Carolina. And, um, you know, I knew nothing about Spartanburg, South Carolina, but uh, the, the league, the position intrigued me. Um, and, you know, they, they had football on a, on a, I think, a higher level than the NEC. Uh, that was appealing. Um, so it, it was it was an opportunity to, you know, continue to kind of grow and to to uh, uh, take what I had learned at the NEC and what what worked and what didn't and try it with a new league. So it was, you know, I had I had applied years earlier, did not even get an interview. And then when I applied the second time, was fortunate enough to go down interview and, and be offered the position. One of the questions I had for you uh, about the SOCON is just, and I think this would be generally interesting to Hoops fans, is the leap that the SOCON made in your last few years there in basketball. You know, you went from the 28th ranked conference to the top 10. You're, I think it was your last year, you had four teams in the pool, in that at-large pool at the end of the year. Those teams were really good. Um, how did you, like, that's the impossible question for mid-majors. How do you turn it around and kind of get to that point? What, what, what is it that you did at the SOCON that'll put you in the position to even be considered on Selection Sunday to get multiple teams in? Yeah, Ron, you know, one of the, <clears throat> one of the things that, that I really got tired of listening to in my 13 and a half years here was, you know, the SOCON has always been a one-bid league, which is true. The, the conference has never had an at-large uh, selection. And, and the year you re referenced, uh, you know, we were like 28 out of 32 conferences. And all I did was basically, well, we did a couple of things. We talked about it with the coaches and we said, come on, fellas, we got to do better than this. And we talked about it with the athletic directors. And in addition to just saying, hey, it's got to, it's got to start from, from the grassroots level. You've got to say, I'm not waiting on the rest of the conference my program is going to do better and here's how we're going to do it. We, in addition to that, we did some things. We, we created a pool of revenue from exit fees with the Southern conference had a, an enormous amount of uh, realignment take place in 2012, 13, we lost five of uh, 12 members. Um, and the, 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 the only shining light in any of that was they all had to pay exit fees that luckily we'd had the foresight to raise before they left. So we used some of those funds to create kind of an excellence pool and other conferences have done it. We didn't invent this, but we wanted to reward people for playing better schedules, for having success and for kind of stepping out and testing themselves. And, and really the credit goes to the coaches. The coaches have you know, they have their, their resources, but they don't have the same kind of resources that bigger leagues do. Um, but, but they were able to take some of this revenue and we were able to focus attention on the fact that I wanted us to be more of a basketball league. Uh, whereas the Southern Conference, when I joined them, the reputation was outstanding in football. They'd had national champions at Appalachian State and Georgia Southern uh, in the 1AA and now FCS level. Um, and that's great, but you're not competing at the highest level when you're in the FCS. In basketball, we're competing at the highest level. And if we have success in basketball, as Davidson did um, in 2008 when I was there, 
you know, getting within one jump shot with Steph Curry of, of going to the final four, that gets you all kinds of attention and a lot of revenue that comes in from the NCA. let's be honest. So, so we tried to put the focus more on basketball and, you know, things fell in place. And you're right, we, we had four really strong programs. The morning of our championship game, I'm in my hotel room and I'm surfing around and I noticed that Jerry Palm on the CBS website is predicting three teams from the Southern Conference. And, you know, it didn't happen, but, but that was a, uh, you know, that was a significant milestone to get to that point. And as it turned out, I think an upset in the Pac-12 uh, cost UNC Greensboro. They were the first team out of the field after that upset occurred. Otherwise, we'd have had to win, and that old line would have been retired for good. Yeah, it's a, it was it was amazing, and we were absolutely rooting for you um, up here at the time because we know what you go through as a commissioner with basketball, and you know we're all trying to get to that point where right. um, you know you're even considered for it. So that's a that was a great job. Um, so you retired at the seemingly at the right time in 2019. Uh, <laughs> this has been a tough year for everyone, for student athletes, coaches, staff, medical staff, athletic trainers, support staff. You know, maybe not now during a pandemic, but do you do you miss the the sort of the day to day? No, I you know I, I think I got out at the right time. I I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, you know, I was in college athletics for 40 years, and I was a commissioner for 23 years, and and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but, but the, the, it felt like the time to get out. I, I, I always, I always admired people like Barry Sanders and, uh, I'm a Yankee fan, Mike Mussina, his last season, he had announced he was going to retire his last season. He won 20 games for the only time in his career, but he, he went into retirement because he just felt the time was right. And so to, to use that analogy, I wanted to, to get out. While I still had my good fastball, um, you know, before I, I had to take on something that would require a number of years to see through, um, whether that be another expansion or, or some other new strategic plan, I just felt like we had done uh, a pretty good job of leaving the conference in good shape. It was, it was wonderful to be able to leave on the high note of, of having a, you know, a sold out basketball tournament in Asheville um, and almost getting, you know, the year before, almost getting two teams in the tournament. Um, so that I felt like I was leaving the conference in good shape. Um, and, and I, the thing I do miss, and you hear athletes talk about this, athletes always, they don't talk about the games. They talk about the camaraderie in the locker room with their teammates. I miss that to, to an extent, you know, dealing with not only the staff, but getting to know so many athletic directors and coaches. Uh, you know, on a personal basis uh, has been rewarding for me. And every once in a while that that will, uh, you know, I'll think about that. But um, I, I must admit, uh, you know, after the, uh, the virus hit last uh, February and March, I haven't had a lot of days thinking, boy, I wish I was in that office. <laughs> oh, there, there are times where it's, it's interesting. Day to day is interesting, but um, you know what? You grind through. And we'll come out the other side, you know, hopefully next year and hopefully the 21-22 season, we're, we're sort of back at it the way we're all used to. And, uh, you know, we could 
you know, you get your budgets back where they need to be. You get your, your, your championships where they need to be. And everybody's, you know, we're back. And that's what we're hoping for for next year. Yeah. I mean, uh, everybody, not just college athletics, yeah. everybody wants that. And, and, and uh, hopefully the, you know, the, with the vaccines and everything will, will be there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's rarely been as challenging these days as it is ever to, to, to be in a conference office and to try and put together schedules when games are being altered left and right and, and teams are picking up games and dropping games. Um, and, and you feel bad for the athletes and the coaches, obviously. Um, but it, you know, nobody thinks about the officials. Nobody thinks about the conference office staff that has to deal with this. Um, but, you know, we, we know having, having worked there that that's part of the job. That's right. They should all send us gifts for the holidays <laughs> and what we've been doing. <laughs> no been... question. <laughs> so, John, first of all, thank you for spending an hour hour with us. Uh, you know, you've been very instrumental in my career and the career of so many that have that have gone through the, the Northeast Conference. And I, I do it. I really enjoyed the time where you were commissioner. I mean, I'm happy now. But back then it was just a different era, like everything was different then than it is now. And I look back on it with fondness and there were so many, um, there were frustrating times, there were great times, uh, but it all set the stage for what was to follow in the, in the conference. And I think that we've continued sort of that climb that started when you were here and, and we just, you know, and Noreen has sort of taken it onto the next level, which is what should happen in, at, at every conference and just like you did at the, at the SOCON. Yeah, I, I, I think well, you're, you're very gracious to say that, but I, I think that's exactly what everybody tries to do when you when you work in a conference office. You want to take the job that you inherit and, and make it better so that the next person can build on on any successes you've had. And, uh, and, and you know, Brenda and now Noreen have, have certainly done that. Um, and the Northeast Conference, I, I think, has, has come leaps and bounds since the, the days when I was there. Uh, with, with five people in a one-room uh, office building in Piscataway, New Jersey. You know, now you have very nice offices, I know, in Somerset. And, uh, I, you know, people know, know about the NEC, I think, much more uh, than, than when we took over back uh, in the late 90s. Yeah, when I got there, it was just you and me, John. Like when I first my first day, there was really nobody else there. I think <laughs> Denise left a week later, and it was just you and me staring at each other in a very large lobby. <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't take long to have staff meetings. I remember that. <laughs> All right. Well, this was John I. Marino, NEC Commissioner, 1997 to 2006. Thanks for joining us. Um, and hopefully I'll get a chance to talk to you again sometime in the future. My pleasure, Ron. I enjoyed it. Uh, best of luck to you and your family and, and uh, uh, season's greetings. Same to you. Once again, that was John I. Marino. This was the NEC Overtime Pod and the segment was Made in the NEC. We will see you next time.